everyone. The Jimmy Smith Afternoon Show of a Thursday. Jules on the chair for Jimmy this week. And it is great to have you along wherever you're tuned in. SEN 1170am in Sydney. SENQ 693 in Bris Vegas. 1620 on the Gold Coast. And across the globe via the SEN app. And we're here thanks to our great mates, sbsfence.com.au. Portable toilet and temporary fence. Hi, Sydney. sbsfence.com.au. Now, the open line number, you should know it by now. Punch it if you, in your phone. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. And the text line, 0457 736 736. Another $100 cash to give away on the program today. Thanks to Tristan Merlhan and Top Sport. Looking forward to this program today. Because it is my first time on a Thursday with the crossover where we get one of the Kings or Flames players in studio. Uh, Got to catch up with Jasper Rentoy, rising star, a point guard from the Sydney Kings. So he'll join me live in studio in the final hour of the program. Uh, keep an eye on this kid. He's highly rated. Adrian Proshenko from the Sydney Morning Herald will be along shortly, as he is every Thursday, to chat all things rugby league. And Mary Kay, our dear mate, you know, I saw a tweet by Mary saying, I think I'm going to shed a tear. So I said, why don't you shed a tear on the program this afternoon about the retirement of Meg Lanning? Would have heard that throughout the course of the morning. You might have heard the grab as well from Meg uh, in your news bulletins. And that is the big cricket news. As Laura Jolly writes, that Meg Lanning has announced her retirement from international cricket. Basically, she said, look, it's the right time to end her 13-year career in the green and gold. This is not surprising. I think most people saw this coming. She'd had an extended period of time out of the game for various reasons. But 31 years of age, I mean, you could argue she's still in her prime, Meg. But I think it was Wayne Bennett said, better to go a year too early than a year too late. And he's probably right. Five of those as captain, a seven-time World Cup winner. So seven-time World Cup winner, five of those as captain. Com Games gold medalist, Australia's greatest run scorer across all women's formats. Generational cricketer. 241 matches for Australia, six tests, 103 ODIs, 132 T20 internationals for a combined 8,352 runs, 1,700s. She said, greatest run scorer across all formats. Now, she did miss this year's tour of England, Ireland and a home series against the West Indies. She had a few, uh, well, a medical issue undisclosed. And that was a leave of absence that came after she elected to take a six-month break from the game in the second half of 2022. She said she's been fortunate to enough to enjoy a 13-year international career, debuted very young, she'd quietly spoken but led by example Mick Lanning and she informed her national teammates of her decision yesterday. And they went down too, the Stars to the Sydney Sixers. So that, that officially ends Lanning's almost 10-year tenure as Australian captain. The world's top-ranked team will be looking for a permanent replacement ahead of next month's multi-format tour of India. Don't forget Elisa Healy, who was the villain captain. Had that dog bite, so hopefully she'll be back in time to to lead the team. But Meg became the youngest Australian to score an international century when she hit 104 knot against England at the Wacker. This was 2011, in just her second one day. She's our greatest ever one day player, at the very least. She was 18 years, 288 days. Then a year later, she scored what was then the fastest ODI century by an Australian. She hammered a ton of 45 balls against New Zealand at North Sydney Oval. Part of the World Cup triumphs of 2012 and 2013 of the T20 and ODI variety. Became the youngest person to captain Australia when she filled in for an injured Jodie Fields in January 2014, aged just 21, and then appointed to the job full-time shortly after. Led her country to a T20 World Cup triumph just after that. Third consecutive crown in Bangladesh in 2015, instrumental as a leader with the bat 
as Australia regained the Ashes in England for the first time since 2001. She's in the thick of all the great modern achievements, Meg Lanning, by the Australian women's cricket team. 2019, scored the then highest score in women's T20 internationals, 133 from 63 balls against England at, at Chelmsford. That was an unbeaten Ashes campaign. Shoulder the immense burden of a home T20 World Cup in 2020. 86,174 fans at the MCG, you remember. And then a year later, led her team through a flawless one-day World Cup campaign in New Zealand. And then Australia won the first ever women's T20 gold medal at the Com Games. Then she took a six-month break, as we mentioned, and uh, quite remarkable. So six test matches, 345 runs, average of 31. High score of 93, 250s. ODIs, 103 matches, 4,602 runs. Average of 53.51. High score, 152. 1,500s, 2150s. Then in the T20s, 132 matches, 4,405 runs. An average of 41.53. Highest score, 133. 200s, 1,550s. World Cup wins in one-day cricket, 2013-2022. In T20 cricket, 2012, 2014, 2018, 2020 and 2023. Belinda Clark Award winner, 2014, 15 and 17. It's a hell of a resume. A hell of a resume. And I've said it a number of times. Meg Lanning is the best Australian female batter I have ever seen. Beautiful technique. Dominant. But G31, Plenty of good cricket ahead of her. She's going to continue playing domestic cricket, which is great. But it is entirely her decision. We congratulate Meg Lanning, a titan of the game. And as captain, she won a major title on five different continents, Meg. Freak of a player. Now, for those on X slash Twitter, if you don't follow Swamp, the statistician, the stats guru, I urge you to. What about this? For some perspective. Scoring hundreds in winning ODI run chases for Australia. So to score a ton in a winning ODI run chase for Australia, 18 players have done it once. Four players have done it twice. Nicole Bolton, Glenn Maxwell, Jeff Marsh and Cam White. Four players have done it three times. Michael Bevan, Michael Clark, Karen Rolton, David Warner. Two players have done it four times. 100 in a successful ODI run chase. Aaron Finch and Steve Smith. Shane Watson's done it five times. No one's done it six times. Emmy War's done it seven times. Gilchrist and Ponting have done it eight times. No one's done it nine times. Meg Lanning, ten times. She scored 100 in winning ODI run chases for Australia. Out in front. Generational cricketer. So we congratulate Meg Lanning and say thank you for the joy that you brought us Australian cricket fans playing in the green and gold. 0457 736 736, that is the text line number. We might even, you know, just off the back of Meg Lanning, maybe we talk about going out on top. Today, let's think about instances of people and players going out on top. Like those that retired. You know, think about Warnie, right? He said, you know, you very rarely get to write your own innings where, you know, Langer, McGrath and Warnie all wound up after Sydney, that Ashes series. Players, teams, or probably hard to say with teams, but certainly players that have gone out on top. Maybe 86. Mick Cronin, what do you reckon? There's a good one. Coach K, the halcyon days of Parramatta Rugby League. I've got a good one for you. Mark Eller, 25 tests, retired people. So what are you kidding? Peak your powers. It's up. That's it, I'm done. Mark Eller's one that went out on top. Think about that on the program today. Those that have gone out on top, didn't let their career wane.
0457 736 736. Look, I know people are, are probably a bit fatigued with the Eddie Jones news. Did, did you catch this today by Tommy Deason in the Herald? Outgoing Wallabies coach Eddie Jones has admitted he would definitely be interested in the vacant Japan head coaching role, but will have to wait until next month for a second interview for the job. So this was an interview with Kyoto News. Jones conceded for the first time he would be keen to take over the Japan coaching role after his original stint leading the Brave Blossoms from 2012 to 2015. Now, he did say I've had no offer, let's be clear. He went on to say, Eddie Jones, if Japan came to me and said, are you interested, I'd definitely be interested. Of course, Tom Deason had the story. Huge story it was too about during the recent World Cup that Jones had taken part in a secret interview with the Japan Rugby Football Union in August while in camp with the Wallabies in France. And the rest, as we say, is history. Resigned from the job late last month after less than 10 months in the role. Consistently denied taking part in the Zoom interview on August 25 or having any plan to attend a second interview with the Japan Rugby Football Union. And the Herald had revealed in September that Jones was set to take part in a second interview in Tokyo this month with a panel of JRFU officials. However, a source with knowledge of the situation, speaking anonymously due to the confidential nature of the information, told City Morning Herald that Jones' second interview had been delayed until December. You just know he's going to end up there, don't you? If you're a betting man or woman, he's a dollar ten, Eddie, to end up back in Japan. You just know he's going to be there, don't you? You just know. And if he does, as we think he will, he's going to lose a lot of credibility, Eddie Jones, in the eyes of the Australian sporting public. And still on Eddie Jones, good piece. And Ian Payton and Tommy Deason have been doing cracking work in the nine papers. Did you catch any of this? I'll try and play a bit of audio for you. Hamish McLennan has apologised to Aussie rugby fans for a dismal performance but has no regrets about hiring Eddie Jones and said he'd make the same call again. On and on he goes. After coming under heavy criticism for his role in, in Annis Horribilis for Australian rugby, he reiterated his intention to stay in the role and rejected the suggestion that recruitment of Jones had been a captain's pick. Nick McArdle, I thought, was the expert in his interview with Hamish McLennan. And he said, it's unfair. It was socialised among the board. We were all concerned about how the team was performing under Dave Rennie. But he said, at the same time, McArdle pulled him up on this, said, well, hang on, mate. You said you would bend over backwards to get him. So you can see why people said it was your call. And, yeah, the board has to ratify it, but they were going to go along with your decision. And you'd wear any pain that may come with it if it all goes to water, and that's exactly what happened. But he's saying, no, I'm not going to resign. I love this. In business and in life, you don't have a 100% success rate. You don't get every call right. That's fine, but it's this whole give a thousand monkeys a thousand typewriters. Eventually, he's going to get a call right. But how many do you have to get wrong? Think about Brad Fittler. He, maybe he could make that excuse. Okay, I didn't get my selections right for State of Origin this year, but just give me for the next three years and eventually, with Latrell and everyone fit, I might jag another one. And then I'll say, ah, oh, see, it was worth it. We don't always get them right. Stick with me. Eventually I'll turn it around. The question is how long will it take and how many bad ones are we as fans prepared to cop? 0457 736 736. Glenn Maxwell, due for a light couple of days. Been back to overcome that, well, the debilitating full body cramps in time to face Bangladesh on Saturday. Is it worth resting him? If he's fit, I suppose you play. 
They've got nothing to play for. Australia will play South Africa regardless of the result. And it was so, so close to coming off the field. Almost retired hurt on 147, Maxi. We spoke at length about that remarkable knock yesterday. Turned down singles, didn't show any footwork. So restricted in his movement, he couldn't make it across one side of the one kitty to the other to attend the official ICC press conference. Do we let him rest and just keep him fit for South Africa? Although he did demonstrate, Maxie, that, well, you know, footwork's optional. All he needs is a couple of cans or a couple of bottles of the old pickle juice, hey, Coach, okay? That'll sort him out. And the Victorians, they're still banging on about it. You'd swear he was the second coming of Jesus Christ. I love Glenn Maxwell. Good fella, great cricketer. Super entertaining. But as I I said to Matty White, so Damien Ratcliffe, who's the racing writer for The Age, had said, well, worn aside, is he the most talented Australian cricketer we've ever produced? So the man who's chairman all week, Jimmy Smith, said, oh, come on, you cannot be serious. So I wrote back to Jimmy. I said, "Uh, some pretty talented players born in Cooter Mundra, hey, James? Of course, Jimmy Smith born in Cooter, Brad Cooter boy. There's another bloke, synonymous with Barrel, but born in Cootamundra, DJ Bradman. Pretty sure he would qualify when it comes to talking about talented Australian cricketers. Just happen to be twice as good as anyone in the history of the game in Test cricket. So, yes, he's abundantly talented, Glenn Maxwell. I can't make the call. But Bradman's out in front because there's no one like Bradman. I can't make the call. I couldn't even say despite that remarkable knock, that Glenn Maxwell is more talented than, say, Mark Waugh. Different era. You know, they're more dynamic, these players. Mark Waugh, you know, didn't play T20 cricket. Can you even say, could you possibly say that Glenn Maxwell is more talented than Mark and Steve Waugh? Not necessarily. Or Doug Walters. Or Gregory Stephen, for that matter. Different players, more talented, not necessarily so. But don't confuse style and substance. 0457-736-736. Now, um, the NRL has rejected Wayne Bennett's push for a shortened state of origin schedule as Queensland coach Billy Slater faces a daunting task to win a hat-trick of interstate titles next season. This is from Peter Bedell in the Courier-Mail. So the 2024 origin draw shapes as a gruelling assignment for Slater's Maroons who must overcome a horror record at the Melbourne Cricket Ground to celebrate a Panthers-style three-peat. So the MCG, that'll be next year's neutral venue. Ugh, can't stand rugby league at the MCG. That'll stage Origin 2, Wednesday, 26th of June, before Brisbane Suncorp Stadium is the scene of Game 3, Wednesday, July 17. So Slater's two-time defending champions, Queensland, will have to play back-to-back away games before enjoying the home comforts of Suncorp for the final match of the next year's series. But Queensland have lost four or five matches at the MCG. New South Wales have won the last three straight, but let's not forget, that's 1997, 2015, 2018, so I don't think those stats hold that much water, as well as the inaugural game in Melbourne in 1994. Was that the one that Lazo scored the first try? Was it 94? Might have been. The Maroons' only win at the MCG was a 20 points to 12 triumph during that 95 series, of course, with Fatty Vorden at the helm. Because do you remember earlier this season, the NRL club bosses had raised the prospect of a four-week origin calendar in 2024 to allay to a fears of player burnout and minimise disruption to the Telstra Premiership. So Wayne Bennett said, no, no, we've got to truncate the origin series. But the NRL said, no, nope, I'm going to maintain the status quo. 
six weeks to maximise the coverage of the codes. $100 million showpiece event. Look, no real surprise, of course. No real surprise. And as for Queensland's ball record in Melbourne, do you honestly think that's the sort of thing that would speak Billy Slater? <laughs> Not at all. I'm already looking forward to it, especially given, of course, the Michael Maguire factor. What about England in the Cricket World Cup last night? Did you see that Joe Root dismissal? Thought, I can get a bit funky with a ramp. It was anything but. So they beat the Netherlands by 160 runs, the Poms. So they're still keeping their Champions Trophy hopes alive. So the top eight teams in the World Cup, they are going to play for the Champions Trophy in 2025 in Pakistan. So it's virtual sudden death for England against the Dutch. They needed to beat both Netherlands and Pakistan in hopeful, favourable results. But yet Joe Root sort of goes a little ramp and straight through the old the Jats crackers. Goodbye. He'd uh, he wouldn't want to look at that again on on replay. Fun fact: If you didn't hear me with Maddie, Glenn Maxwell has more runs in one innings this tournament than Josh Butler for the entire duration. How about that? And apparently at the Def Leppard concert, the lead singer. Gave a shout-out to Glenn Maxwell. I think they played Brisbane last night from memory. Talk about knowing your crowd. Well, it's a bigger show than Def Leppard. Maxwell definitely put on a bigger show than Def Leppard. And Def Leppard, of course, have the drummer with one arm. Maxie had no legs. Advantage, Glenn Maxwell. And the worst-kept secret in the A-League, former Wellington Phoenix boss Ufuk Talley has agreed to become Sydney FC coach on a two-year deal. Sydney confirmed that. Talley is 47 or replace Steve Corica with immediate effect. He will take charge, Ufuk Talley, of this weekend's trip to league leaders Adelaide United with his contract due to expire at the end of the 2024-25 season. And he was previously a player with Sydney FC. And Talley's been working as part of Graham Arnold's Socceroos setup since leaving Wellington earlier this year. Highly regarded, Ufuk, really highly regarded. He did some great things with, shall we say, limited resources there at Wellington Phoenix, and I hope he goes well. Oaks Day today, of course, at Flemington. Nine race card headlined by the $1 million Oaks, over 2,500 metres for the Phillies. Hard to go past the favourite, Vazardozzi, I dare say. All right. 0457 736 736. In light of Meg Lanning, players that have gone out on top, or athletes, sports people that have gone out on top, get your nominations coming in, and anything else you want to talk about. Should we have shortened the origin period? Or are you happy with the status quo? And if you still want to wax lyrical about Glenn Maxwell, a few, well, I always call them naysayers, but some that go, let's just temper our, I guess, plaudits for the innings. It was a wonderful knock. Can you definitively say, definitively say it was the greatest ODI innings of all time? I don't know if you can. It's very, very good. And I made the point yesterday, well, the fact that it wasn't a final or a knockout, does that just take the gloss of it slightly? Because if they'd lost, it wouldn't have actually made a huge difference. But just on the sheer audacity of the shot making, given the injury, it was freakish. You'll never see anything like it. Never see anything like it. So how about to continue talking about Glenn Maxwell today? Anything else you want to talk about in the world of sport? But people going out on top. Let's talk about that today. Meg Glanning retired from international cricket at the age of 31. Free call today on the open line, one 1170 Don't forget, if you call me, you're a chance at winning 100 bucks cash, thanks to Tristan Merlihan and Top Sport. Now, Adrian Brashenko, our good man AP from the City Morning Herald, he's going to waltz over from their offices. He'll join me in about 10 minutes' time of the program. So we'll get AP in about 10 minutes' time. 
able to take your text. Up and running this Thursday afternoon, Jules in the chair for Jimmy Smith on the SEN Network.